Yo, so I'm just tromping through the snow. So I got this episode of this podcast I've been working on that is just goddamn depressing. It's about my dad being in the hospital. And it's like, man, what the fuck happened with this podcast? It's such a fucking downer. Every episode is just such a fucking, ugh, you know? (laughs) Such a goddamn drag. I mean, I guess I can't help it. It's just what's going on. But just editing this podcast has been killing me. Like, I don't have to do a ton of editing with this podcast, but I just edit out, like, if there's weird little mouth noises or, like, excessive pauses or whatever. But it's enough editing that, man, like, I don't know. I mean, I obviously put off recording it for a while because it's so depressing when your parents get sick. And then I finally recorded it, and then I just was like, oh, and I let that sit for a while. And then I started editing it, and it's like, just do, like, five minutes a day. Just just five minutes. But today I did, like, two minutes, and I'm just like, ugh. Ah! Tired of everything being so fucking depressing! So I'll get to that eventually, but what's the hurry? To extra make it not a hurry... Let's do a little interim podcast. I just thought I'd do a quick little podcast where I'd just go back to my favorite thing, which is just to talk about writing that I'm doing. So this is just a a quick little scene from a story that has an associated song. I wonder sometimes, like people that have listened through this whole series, you know, I've described a fair amount of my rhino girl on the space station story. But I bet everybody's view of it is really different, you know? There's obviously a lot of details I haven't gotten into. I bet if I could jump into somebody else's mind who has listened to this podcast and just see their kind of view of it, what they think of it, it's probably pretty weird. It's probably pretty different. But uh, there's one part of the story that I have described before, but let's describe it at a little more detail. So. Surat the Rhino Girl is on the space station of the weird jellyfish creatures because she is lost and abandoned because her homeworld blew up. And the space station is called the Tessima Volcorna, which I'm not sure where I got that name from, but usually most of my names are pretty easy to track. So just out of curiosity, I did a little Google and I'm like, I wonder where I got that name from. And the closest I can come up with is there is a hair salon in Montreal called Tessima. And I'm like, well, I hang out in Montreal pretty frequently in the pre-corona days. I bet you I walked past that place. I bet that's what happened there. And Volkerna, I don't know, there's a Bjork album called Volnikerna or something like that. So I'm like, yeah, probably that was that too. I don't know. But anyway, this space station is run by a kind of invisible sentient fungus called the Ecomulon that developed on the Nadarian homeworld. So these jellyfish people and the Ecomulon evolved together and they've just always kind of been together. The Ecomulon is older than them, but they have more agency than the Ecomulon. The Ecomulon is an intelligence, but it doesn't, you know, it's just, it's just dust in the air, you know? It's like there's a limit to how much it can actually do. 
it needs this combination with these jellyfish people to travel out into space and to go do things and to have agency. But it doesn't particularly like them and it's a little bored of the arrangement because uh, it's been millennia of this shit. And this isn't the central Acamulon from their home world. This is just a, an offshoot. This one split off and they're off in this weird little space station. Off on the edge of space. Alone, lonely, and bored. But because the Acamulon developed before the Nadarian, it kind of has control over them, more so, than they have control over it. It can kind of interface with them and communicate between them and, uh, you know, it can send messages straight into their head type of shit. That's part of what makes life uncomfortable for these Nadarian people is that their whole society is based on the Acamulon. The Acamulon's what makes the space station work. It's how the doors open. It's how everything functions. And you have to learn to interface with the Acamulon. And if the Acamulon wants to jerk you around, it can, basically. It usually doesn't. It doesn't necessarily have reason to do that. But it's not, it's not a balanced system. But there's no choice. To be part of the society, this is the deal. So now there's this rhino girl on the station. And this is different because she cannot interface with the Acamulon. She can't open doors. She can't do anything for herself. It's very frustrating. But from the Acamulon side, we don't really know this. The Acamulon is just this mysterious entity that runs the ship, that is the ship. But the Acamulon is like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> this is different. This is a very different type of person. This is a very different type of being. And the Acamulon is interested. It's like, I would like to pursue this more and get to know this person and know this species and go down this different route. Because this is not a staid, scholarly, boring person. This is a crazy war raider. This whole thing is different. This would be some wild shit. But the Acamulon, it can't interface the same way with these rhino people. The Therium, they're called. But it's not that it can't interface at all. There is an interface possible. It's just that the balance swings the other way. The way the Acamulon has power over the jellyfish people, over the Nadarian, it can just kind of tell them what the rules are going to be. It can set the parameters. It would be the opposite. If the Acamulon were to interface with the Therium, the Acamulon would be the one on the bottom. It can't tell Ethereum what to do. It can't push its own agenda. Whereas the Therium maybe can. If the Therium was like, hey, I'm going to push you now, Acamulon. I'm going to push you to do something you don't want to do. Then there would be a, an actual potential struggle there. The Therium might be able to do it. So that's where the Acamulon's at. It's like, I don't like my life. I don't like being lonely and bored out here. I don't like these circumstances. I want things to change. But if I hitch my wagon to this fucking rhino girl, it's scary because I can't control her. If I do this, everything's going to be really different for everybody, but for me. <laughs> for me as a invisible space fucking fungus, invisible space dust that's just floating about the station. If I hook up 
with this rhino species, I have to give up a lot of agency. I have to give up a lot of power. However, the upside is things are gonna change. My life will be different. Things will go off on a wildly, radically different path. But it's so irresponsible and so weird and so crazy that the Ecomulon doesn't do it. It's like, you know what, let's just ignore each other. You continue not being able to open doors. I'll continue not speaking to you. We'll just go our separate ways. But eventually, Sarat the Rhino Girl, she gets in this big fight with the locals. And since they're jellyfish aliens, they have this poisonous stinging ability. Because <laughs> again, I don't get, I don't have to be too fancy. I don't have to be too clever. My rhino people talk about goring people and my jellyfish people have stingy powers. It's all pretty fucking obvious. It's all earth-based shit. So she gets in a fight with these jellyfish people and they sting the fuck out of her. She is poisoned as fuck. And she's basically on the brink of death. It's like, wow, this is bad. <laughs> you know, she's just crawling away. Things are fading to black. It's like, ah, oh, man. This might be it. I can't believe these fucking dumbass jellyfish are really as strong as they said they were. I can't believe how bad that went. I can't believe this might be how I'm gonna die. On this weird alien space station, one of the last of my species, just cause I got in a fight with these fucking jellyfish. I, either this is the end, this is it. See you later, curtains down. So the Acomulon is watching this. And this is one of these aspects of the book that uh, who knows? On a second draft, I might need to clarify a bit because, you know, the Ecomulon I'm keeping quite mysterious and weird because it's a mysterious, weird entity. I don't necessarily explain all of its motivations directly. But the idea is, it's watching this rhino girl who is dying in front of it. And it's like, well, maybe this is it. It's like, this is where I got to make a choice. I got to make a decision. Am I going to intervene here? Am I going to associate myself with this crazy fucking rhino person? Am I going to forge a connection between us? Because if I do, I'm giving up a lot. But like I said, it'll make things change. It'll make things different. And if I don't do it now, this girl's probably dead. <laughs> so. So that's what the Acomulon is thinking, but we don't really know that. You know, we're reading the story from Surratt's perspective, and she's just crawling away. The jellyfish people have left her. They've gone off wherever. Because they're just, they were just scared. You know, they're not vindictive. <laughs> they, they're just freaked out. And they stung her way too much. So she's crawling along, and her vision is, you know, turning dark. And then one of these doors of the station, these fucking doors that she can never open, that she's always just trying to figure out how to forge this mental connection you need to open a door. Because no one can explain it to her, you know, it's just one of these things, like... The way I thought of it is whistling, because I can't whistle. <laughs> People can explain to me all goddamn day how to whistle. It's not gonna matter. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't understand. It's just easy for some people. It's impossible for me. That's how she feels with these fucking doors. They just won't open. But in her like poisoned delirium, the door opens and she crawls in and the door closes behind her and she's just in darkness. 
and she just keeps crawling because she doesn't know what else to do or really where she is. And she can kind of feel the station shifting and moving under her. You know, the Acamulon is kind of reforming itself to help her to move her along to a safe place. But she passes out in the darkness. She doesn't know for how long. But when she wakes up, she's on this ledge way high up against one of the inner walls of the station. So she's just on this ledge and she's looking out and she can see across the whole station. Her vision's still really blurry. She still feels really sick. But everything feels kind of hyper real, like day glow. And I guess I should mention she did really briefly interface with the Akamulon earlier, which is how the Akamulon learned all this about them and how their connection would work. And this is kind of what it was like. It was just everything was super saturated, super ultra, like too real for just a sec. And then it went away and it never came back. So it's like that again, but continuously, but her vision's still kind of blurry and she's still all messed up. She doesn't know if she's awake or asleep or if she's dreaming or what the fuck's happening. But she doesn't like the lights, you know, the lights are hurting her eyes. So she sends this impulse of just like, ah, fuck off with the lights, man, turn off these lights. And all the lights in the station turn off, everything goes dark. And then she can feel this little feedback loop because the Acamulon is connected to all the Nadarian. They all panic because this has never happened before. They don't know what the fuck's going on. They don't have direct control like that. They can't just turn off the lights. They could ask the Acamulon to turn off the lights. The Acamulon would say, no, <laughs> there's no reason for me to turn off all the lights. Give me a more reasonable request, you know? But when Sarat just deliriously wants all the lights to be turned off, every single light turns off. But again, she doesn't really know what this is or why any of this is happening, or even if it is happening. She just thinks it's a weird fever dream. And she falls back asleep. And then she wakes up again, and she's feeling a little better, and she starts slowly piecing together what has happened. That for whatever reason, it's very confusing to her, but she's connected to the station now. She doesn't really know what happened or why, and as her connection deepens and she forges this better relationship with the Ecomulon, she's going to learn more about how it feels as an entity and like this supreme loneliness that she feels because her planet exploded and now she's just by herself on this space station. The Ecomulon feels similarly. It got split off from the homeworld. It got sent out to be part of this outpost. And it's just here all by itself. And she starts to understand why, why the, it feels this connection with her. But basically that first moment, that first moment of waking up and just experiencing the fever dream and just the weird station and the bright lights and telling the lights to turn off and they do. And then feeling like the rippling echo of just feeling a whole station's worth of Nadarian all confused and worried and not 
understanding what's happening with these lights turning off, feeling all of their collective unified worry filtered through the Acumulon, and now what it feels she can feel, and having that crazy awareness and not knowing what any of this is, and still thinking it's just because she's poisoned and she's sick and she's delirious and it's probably a dream. I found a song (laughs) that fucking feels like that. Can you fucking believe that shit? It's this dude, Trevor Powers, who he's the main guy from the band Youth Lagoon, who wrote the song The Knower, which my story, The Knower, is named after. But this is a solo album he put out. And this is the first track, it's called XTQ. I don't actually know what this song is about at all, but I was just listening to it and I was like, man, If I were a delirious, poisoned space rhino waking up into a new, bizarre connection with a space station, that's what this song feels like. (laughs) So, we'll get back to fucking depression land next. But for now, there's a little moment from the story, and here's the song. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next time.
electricity. It looks like entertainment to find speaking. I will never find a sleep. I'm going to extra measures to avoid dreaming. I'm